Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the latest Man on the Post European podcast. I am your host, James Rowe, and once again tonight I'm joined by my partner in crime, Scott Monroe. Scott, good evening, how are you? Good evening, James. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? You're very well, thank you. Did you enjoy the European football this last weekend? Uh, I managed to watch five Serie A games. Very uh, good. While listening to uh, Swindon win away at Port Vale, um, I really enjoyed um, a couple of games yesterday. Um, the the Genoa derby, which we'll probably be talking about later, and the Lazio Milan game was very very insane in one all draw. Yeah, it was um, uh, Milan was one 0 up as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and Lazio nabbed it in the last minute thanks to a goal from Joaquin Correa. It was deserved, but Lazio were um, very injury-ravaged. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to play a back three with a right-back at right centre-back, a left-back at left centre-back, and Fabio Barini was playing left wing-back. So, yeah, it was very in- injury-ravaged, a very patched-up squad from Gattuso, but they played very well and very unlucky to not come away with, with a win. Yeah, I can imagine. We are going to start tonight by talking about events in France on Friday night and the derby uh, between Lyon and Saint-Étienne. It was won 1-0 by uh, Lyon. And uh, this derby is, in my opinion, Scott, a very underrated derby. Mm, completely agree. very underrated derby. It's one of the um, highlights of the French League, in my opinion, along with the Le Classique. And, uh, you know, um, both clubs are, are well-respected. Both clubs have rich histories. Um, St Etienne are viewed as more, the, I think, the blue-collar workers-type team that, you know, when they've had players, for example, if Michel Platini plays for them and they've, uh, I think they've won 10 French league titles in their history as well. So, you know, they've got an awful lot going for them. And a lovely stadium to boot as well. And... Um, this was uh, this match took place in Lyon. Um, not only are we going to discuss the match, but I'd also like to give the listeners a, a bit of a travel guide to Lyon because I was there back in May for the Europa League final, and I can't speak highly enough of the city. It's the gastronomical um, capital of France, where you can have wonderful, wonderful food, and there's lovely restaurants and patisseries, and you can walk around and you feel very at ease. You feel very safe and comfortable. They've got a small metro system, which is really, really, um, really, really fine-tuned. And um, I enjoyed taking uh, taking that uh, to many different places. And also, getting to and from the stadium, Les, uh, Stade Les Lumières, it's really easy. You take a metro to the... To the um, yeah, you, can take a, you can take a metro to the... Um, to the station and then like a small 
train only a few stops uh from the actual train station to uh to a, a 10 15 minute walk from the ground so it's really really very easily accessible easily accessible the concourses are also huge and uh, the view you get in the stadium is is tremendous so i can't speak highly enough of how leon managed to uh managed to get that all together because it really is one of the best stadiums i've ever been in and leon are currently sitting in second in league 1 and they're going through a bit of a purple patch at the moment and um, they beat Manchester City earlier this season as well. They, they, I think they played them again, I think, on Wednesday night, I believe. They do indeed, yes. And there's, there's something about them. I mean, they've always had their moments, but they look very, very good. They look improved from recent years. And, uh, you know, Memphis Depay, obviously, with the Dutch influence, is, um, is, on, is, on, is, is on fine form. And I think they'll take an awful lot of heart from winning the derby against St Etienne. And uh, what was your take on it? Yeah, I managed to, um, to coach the highlights just um, before we, we started podding. Um, Anthony Lopez is a keeper I always keep an eye on because I, I can see him leaving Leon maybe in the next year or two into one of the bigger clubs if someone offers the big money. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like PSG... God, God, if that happens, <laughs> comes in for, an, for for him. But he pulled off two brilliant saves. The second one from Mathieu Debussy was yeah. a, a wonderful save from absolute point-blank range. Um, I thought it would have been 1-0 St Etienne. Um, but Antonio Lopez pulled off a brilliant save. And um, a very good goal from Jason Denia, um, ex-Manchester City, ex-Sunderland. Um, I think his last goal was for Celtic, mm-hmm. which was a, a good couple of years ago. Um, but the main talking point coming out of this game is um, Raphael's yeah. what a, hor- what horrific a... red card challenge on uh, Jan and Villa, which yeah. um, if anyone hasn't seen it, just uh, hit it up on YouTube because... Uh, what is good is League League uh, Conferama has, has a YouTube page and it, it shows all the games and all the highlights mm. from the weekend's action and yeah, if anyone sees that, it, it's disgraceful. Yeah, well, there's I saw one particular position angle of it where both feet is off the floor and you know exactly what he's going to do and yeah. he's, he's kind of in no man's land but when you're in that position and it's so blindingly obvious... You know, you've got no choice but to get your marching marching orders. But um, you know, it's it's an awful challenge. But at least you got it's just just desserts in that respect. And um, yeah, Leon will take an awful lot of heart from winning this game. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's getting the best out of Memphis Depay as well. I remember me and you have been talking about yeah. Depay in 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 the past on our WhatsApp group and um, over direct message and stuff like that. But he. He assisted the golfer Jason Denia, and he's now been in- involved in thirty goals for Leon in the year. Of tw- I think it's twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and and it's that is above Messi and Suarez. Well, he's always been a, a confidence player. I mean, when he was at PSV and uh, he was on form, where he was whacking in free kicks from thirty yards and. Uh, he was on it for a prolonged period and he's moved to Manchester United. It was Van Gaal that brought him to Manchester United. If Van Gaal wasn't Manchester United manager, he wouldn't have gone there. Um, and obviously things worked out how they did and people were criticising his off-the-field activities, you know, buying big sombrero fashion hats and turning up as if he's the second coming of Jean-Paul Gaultier. But, um, you know, I suppose when you're young, you do 
strange things. I don't know if you've seen his uh, Instagram self-congratulatory rap. Yeah, for him, five million followers. Yeah, but there's yeah. no there's no need to do things like that. But obviously, in his case, you know, he thinks it's uh, he thinks it's relevant. But um, you know, he's he's being lauded as a bit of a saviour in the national team due to the upturn of events for the Netherlands. But there's still a long way to go. He's, he's by no means the finished article. I mean, I think people are, he's extremely talented, but I think that people are getting perhaps a little bit too carried away like I've often advocated on Dutch pods that he'll stay at Leon for a while and people like to shoot me down and say no it will leave straight away but if he leaves where's he going to go and where's he going to play every single game and when I ask people that they say uh, 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 because they don't know and yeah. he remembers himself what it was like to sit on the bench at Manchester United and watch everybody else play and now he's the man he's the important player so um, I think he'll remember that before entertaining any potential move. And I've also got to give a, a, a shout-out to the manager of Lyon, um, Bruno Genesio, because I, when he was appointed, I was a bit like, really? Is there, is, there no, is there no other better managers around? But he's really steadied that ship, and I have to eat a bit of humble pie as regards to that, because I thought, you know, I looked at it and thought, you know, is this how Lyon has fallen, perhaps, you know? With all the managers they've had in the past, with Julier um, and um, and Claude uh, Guen and uh, Claude Puel as well, and um, but that's just I have to eat humble pie in that respect. And he's doing a he's doing a marvelous job. Do you reckon he can take them? I know because PSG. I, honestly, I think PSG are going to win Liga in this season. They're unbeaten after they beat Toulouse this uh, at the weekend. Do you think he could take them? one step further to the glory days back in the early 2000s or is that just a stretch too far I think that might be a stretch too far um, is that but, because of the, the money at PSG yeah, well, and the, it's, the brands yeah it's not just that it's that they are apps they com- are completely ruthless I mean this is a club Paris Saint-Germain is a club that was only fashioned and founded in 1970 now that's yeah, not that's, that's only, not only 40, 48 years that's old that's not that's not that's no time at all, is it? No. And then, like when you look at the history of a Leon, of a Saint Etienne, even the recent cases that Monaco uh, have, have made the progression, Olympic Marseille being the fantastic, being the fanatical fans that they are, um, I, I I think that the Paris Saint Germain will eventually grind to a halt. You know, not, maybe not this season, but eventually, all all things come to an end. And um, when you see, like in in the early, when in the early two thousands, as we were talking about, when Leon won everything and it was getting boring and people were just bored of everything in that respect, you know things naturally come to their things come to their natural end. And I think it will still be a bit of a while, but you know, Paris Saint Germain have still got a long way to go before they match the amount of league titles won by uh, Saint Etienne or Marseille or. or um, Leon in Leon, that respect. Yeah, yeah this, it's just that I remember that Leon side in the because um, French football used to be shown on Eurosport over here in the UK, and um, oh, they were brilliant to watch. Um, Giannini, Pernan Bucal, yeah. Sydney Govu, from Aluda, Michael Steve Marley. Yeah, Steve Marley, um, Sonny Anderson, yeah. I think was there, Karen Benzema, and it's just like they, they produce all these talented players and then they get moved on and yeah as you said they it, 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 everything comes into the end of the cycle but 
I can see PSG doing, as you said, for a couple more years, yeah. and then I, I wonder if the owners will get bored. Well, well, you you just don't know, but um, you know, but they're just so ruthless at the minute. I mean, when you've got Mbappe and Cavani, if you're playing fantasy, Neymar, yeah. if you, if I never, well, I would just give the example of Mbappe and uh, Cavani. If you're playing fantasy football, and you want a finisher, then you're going to choose one of those two, aren't you? Yeah. And they can they they can call on them both. But also to give a shout out to St Etienne because obviously we're um, we're full of praise for Leon. St Etienne have got some very good players. Uh, their goalkeeper, Stéphane Ruffier, who started out at Monaco, I believe, mm-hmm. is a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, bit of a nutcase sometimes. Bit of a nutcase sometimes, but a very good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, my opinion as an, as an Arsenal supporter as regards to Debussy, I thought at Arsenal he was exceptionally unlucky. And I think the people criticising him didn't really watch him play when he was fully fit and he could play. And you must also not forget that Arsenal played played eleven million euros for him, so it was no it was no joke. But when I look at the squad of um, the squad of um, Saint Etienne with Edmi Cabello, who had a um, he had a I remember seeing him play for Montpellier against Arsenal a couple of years back, and Jan Mvia, I think he used to also play for Rennes, and they've also got I think a half decent manager in Jean Louis Gasset. Who I think was had a had a past at Montpellier, I believe, and um, you know he's he's got experience in Ligue 1, and um, also uh, I think he was also at Cannes as well. So you know he he knows what he's doing, and um, yeah, this um, I think uh, Saint Etienne. I think we'll see them improve as time goes on as well. Let's hope so because it needs um, a bit more. Bit more of a challenge to PSG, as I said earlier. I think they're going to win the league, and I think they're going to win the league at the counter because there's so many points ahead. But it could be the race for second and third, which is also crucial because it's the Champions League places. Absolutely. And it'd be brilliant, it'd be brilliant to see someone like Leon. I know Leon have been have been around there for the last couple of years, um, but someone like Sanetian, someone like Marseille. Yeah. Just to just to give someone a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Montpellier qualified for the Champions League, becoming champions of France, mm. and um, I remember watching them in London against Arsenal, and you know they kept Arsenal at bay, and it was two tremendous goals that from Arsenal which won the game. So, uh, you know, it's another, um, it's another, you know, shooting down people that proclaim the French league as a farmers league when it's quite clearly not. I I think a lot of that is just pure ignorance and I think that needs to be sorted out because you're getting to the point now where fans who rather than like we do where we cast the net wide and we keep an eye on different things you've got a lot of fans that are fans of players and when those players switch from one club to another they go with that player like for example Ronaldo from Real Madrid to Juventus and that, that quite a lot over the summer. And I think that's just a little bit dangerous. You are you, obviously you have your team and you're a fan of football, but when you start doing things like that, I mean, you, you can un- you can understand it from younger impressionable teenagers. I can fully understand. I can fully understand that. I mean, for example, when I was a kid, Paul, everything Paul Merson did, I did the same. Even the, the famous drinking celebration, and my mum was looking at me saying, "What the hell are you doing?" Upon which I would say, "I'm doing what Paul Merson does." And uh, 
Uh, but uh, you know, the, some players have um, have uh, a role, role models, and they need to need to remember that. I can't think with Depay's excerpts with his famous rap that you'll see many French kiddies trying to do the same rapping in front of their mirrors in their bedrooms this evening. Yeah. We are now going to move on to events in Buenos Aires in Argentina on at the weekend. I don't know about you, Scott. But it, uh, the images coming through on my Twitter timeline and the news, it reminded me of one thing. I thought I was watching a film. It, 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 I thought I was watching a film with the events, and it was just like you know, you you think, hang on, that can't that can't be that can't be true, can it? You know, you think, you know, in terms of the images you see, and when I saw the guy having a panic attack, and in in the, in the dressing room. You looked in his eyes. He looked absolutely petrified. I, I don't. I don't blame him. The images, um, the guys on social media who, uh, who I follow and probably yourself follow, yeah. um, done an excellent work on like portraying what is going on. Um, I actually feel sorry for the couple of British journalists who've gone out there mm. um, for f- four days, potentially seen no games because yeah. it, it it got postponed and then got postponed again. It it was quite damning the footage that we saw. One of the most harrowing footages two footages I've seen was the the River Plate fan strapping uh, f- like was it fireworks or yeah. explosives flares I think it flares it was flares flares to a young a young uh, River Plate fan who was only like must have been about seven or eight I read in reports today that she's been arrested which yeah. and a good for getting in for questioning yeah. the other the other um thing I saw and thank you to um, Zach Lowry on, on social media for, for for posting this was um, River Plate fans throwing around a dead dog after the after Jeez. coming out of the stadium and that's just that's just disgusting it's quite quite poor as well yeah um, I, d- I didn't see that but I fully I fully concur this is this is just uh, madness yeah complete complete madness I saw a tweet from uh uh, I think it was who was it? I can't remember who it was, and do forgive me because obviously you get. I mean the the, the tweets were coming thick and fast, and uh, I I saw a tweet that came by which said that all the people trying to rationalise what's happening in Buenos Aires, don't try to do it because South American football doesn't work like that, and I thought yeah. I thought that really encapsulated it. I mean yeah. this, this is the biggest derby. In the world, you know, this derby makes Celtic and Rangers look look like child's play. If you are an outsider, apart from the press, this is my opinion, Scott, if you are an outsider and you try to go to this derby, this isn't your commercial derby as in you buy your shirt in a shop, you follow the team online. If you go to this derby and you have nothing to do with the city of Buenos Aires, you have nothing to do with River Plate or Boca Juniors, you will stick out like a sore thumb. And, yes. and not only will you stick out, you will actually people will actually ask you, what are you doing here? And whereas in Western Europe and, and Europe in general, you can kind of get away with it, there you can't. I mean, I've have, um, I have experience of watching... South American football in South America. I went to watch uh, Flamengo play Vasco da Gama, 
and I went to watch Flamengo in Rio also play a, a state a state championship game against Bangu. And my experience of watching football in South America, just to give it just to follow on from what we're talking about now, I'm waiting to go into the stadium of the Maracanã, and behind me is a chant from Brazilian flamenco fans. It's not a chant about football. It was flamenco Brazilian fans referring to Dilma Rousseff as the prime as the uh, president of Brazil, and the lyrics were, "You need to stop what you're beep 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 doing." You're killing our country. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to watch a game of football. And I'm, I've, I've, got, I've got that ringing in my ears. You know, it's not just a couple. You know, you know when you're lining up outside a turnstile and you'll hear someone crack a joke and you'll, you'll laugh really, really hard. Well, this was a whole group of fans in unison. And it was, it was really quite surreal. So some of the things that do go on, I mean, Argentina in this case, I mean, you've got, I mean, I think Tim Vickery summed it up quite well. When this draw was made, when it was apparent that this was going to be the final, there were always going to be problems. Always, yes. Always. And, you know, you, you hear rumours now of... Um, um, you hear rumours of a one-off game in, in United Arab Emirates and all these different things. But the, the, the only good thing to come out of this... Well, I say, I say good thing. The only positive thing that people need to remember about the events that's happened and they have been awful the positive thing is this is the last two-legged Copa Libertadores tie ever yes so so as of as of next see next season it's on a neutral ground it's one game and fingers crossed you won't get these types of uh you won't get these types of stories but I hope for quick resolution and I hope to see no more footage of 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 terrible terrible things because you saw the the team bus you know every single window was absolutely shattered to pieces and you saw them in the back of the bus having a bit of a sing song the, it went all wrong. the bus takes the wrong turn and then whack and it just um i mean uh, the police escort as well i mean i saw on the bbc news site today that um some quarters are referring to the River Plate Mafia as the ones being yes. responsible. But I, I mean, you read the same same report. Yeah, yeah. And but again, I think Batistuta. There's so many emotions and so many opinions from so many different people. But I think the one, from my point of view, when just tying up this subject, Scott, I think Batistuta said it really well. You know, the eyes of the world are watching, and we've let ourselves down yet again. And I thought that I thought that was a tremendous quote, and I think that sums it up quite nicely, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. The most harrowing thing, apart from um, I, I'm going to add to the list, was Com the Bowl treatment of Boca Juniors on that day. Um, the reports uh, were saying uh, Pablo on uh, Pablo Perez who had to go to hospital because he had, he had glass in his eye and the pictures going around social media it, it was a damn insight and then they said oh yeah he's got to play um common bowl doctors said he's got to play mm. and you're just thinking if this happened here that would never happen never, never. and, and it, it was like saying that infantino's in the stadium and he's saying that boca juniors have to pay have to play because if they don't 
we're going to suspend them for five years and River Plate will, will win the Copa Libertadores. You cannot do that. No. That's, it's, that is madness. And it's just, it, why did it take him so long to cancel the game? Like after I was watching the Inter Milan game and I was keeping abreast of what was going on. After that finished, I was like thinking they're not going to, they're not going to play. They really shouldn't play. Um, I was trying to find some streams on YouTube and I come across a Brazilian Brazilian sport um, had the, uh, the, the was showing it and it was showing that the Boca Juniors uh, trainer um, physical trainer putting the cones out yeah. and then and the and then the referee was like testing out if the ball was over the line I was like you cannot make this play this game it's, it, it was disgusting and then the reports are today that they're going to um, wait until 10 o'clock tomorrow to see what they're going to do next and then it's either they could do that play it in a couple of weeks uh they could play it in Abu Dhabi and then they could play it in Genoa because Genoa put themselves forward to play play the game in the study of Luigi Ferraris oh. well I mean it's nice that they get different alternatives but in in playing in a neutral setting what happens to home advantage yes there were no away fans allowed at either match for example, in the Bombonera in, in Boca, there were Boca fans present. If you're going to switch it completely and have um, and have a match in Abu Dhabi or have a match in uh, Genoa, I know that River Plate's nickname is uh, is for millionaires, but I'm not sure all the fans they have could afford a ticket to, uh, to Abu Dhabi or, uh, or Genoa. Yes, it's, it's, it's just... Oh, oh, oh. The, the, what has happened is it's it's put a dark light on Argentinian football, yeah. which the the fan violence is is been quite high. If if anyone doesn't follow the league, they're like away fans have been banned um, for a good couple of years. I'm not too sure if that ban's been properly lifted because I have seen games in the past where there is a small smattering of away fans, but you like going into this the culture of of Argentinian football and the culture of these two clubs as you said it's the, it is the probably is the biggest game in world football yeah. like the hatred of these two fans rivalry etc you just blow it out the window because before before this happened um, because uh, Boca beat Palmeiras and River Plate beat, beat Gremio um, to get to the final as it was all going on like two weeks before the final like a River Plate I was, it might have been a River Plate fan burnt down a Boca Junior fan's house that like they were neighbours it might have been the other way around I apologise if I get this wrong because because of this rivalry and then you just see fights out on the street I've seen some footage of like fights out on the street it's just madness well it, it is I think you sum up um, South American and particularly Argentinian football uh, quite well with that closing statement, Scott. So we, I think we're both uh, in agreement that we hope for quick resolution yes, and that everybody can move on and that there will be a crowned winner of the Copa Libertadores and then roll on a, a one-off final at a neutral stadium as of next season. We are, we are now going to move on to our last... Um, our last talking point this podcast and that is the derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria with your knowledge of Italian football and and this derby as well I think it's best if you start with this one <laughs> thanks James uh, um, 
because yeah, Sunday night is sort of the Derby de la Lanterna or the Derby of the Lanterns. Um, this was the first Derby to be played after the horrific, um, what would we say, the horrific, uh, uh, fortunate, unfortunate incident in August. Sorry, my mind went blank there. <laughs> um, it's uh, where where thirty uh, close to forty people sadly lost their lives, but due to the uh, the horror, the horror. Oh. James, you mind if we stop for a second? Yeah, no problem. I'm sure, Ryan. That's no problem. Is you know these things can happen. Uh, you, um, I'm still recording, and uh, away you go. I've just got to find. Was it the? I've got to find what it was because my mind has gone. The bridge collapse. The bridge collapse. That's it. That's it. The bridge collapse. Yeah. Well, we, we'll go from then. This, you could probably do this as an outtake, and this would be absolutely brilliant at the end. Yeah. So the the this was the first derby due to the the bridge collapse which killed um i think it was 37 people and it's still having a, an immediate effect on the city at the moment where people are still like without homes without clothes and without their families and just like they have to go back to their homes for a couple of hours at times from that so the city is united and um it was a wonderful spec called before the game like the choreography between the two sets of fans which i managed to do a couple of screen grabs mm-hmm. off my laptop on thanks to 11 sports but yeah it was like wonderful see wonderful to see in my eyes i think this is one of the most underrated derbies in italy um it, the the choreography between two sets of fans are brilliant, both in both sets of games. Like uh, the passion and the want to win, it, it's it's just amazing and just it's just brilliant to see. And it's a, a derby with two of the most craziest owners in Italian football. So you got Enrico Preziosi, who's the owner at Genoa, who. who Managers left, right, and centre. I think he's gone through quite a lot in the last couple of years. And if the reports said to be true that Ivan Juric is set to lose his job, that Genoa could be on their third coach of the season, and it's not even Christmas. Mm-hmm. So he's he's given Maurizio Zamperini, who was the Palermo owner, a run for his money, and then you've got Massimo Ferrero, who's very eccentric, is the Sampdoria owner, and he's just an absolute nutcase, you see him at the grounds and the games, like, they played, Sampdoria played Roma last season, and Sam won the game, and you've got the owner with a scarf round his head, just jumping for joy after the 1-0 win, but yeah, he's the two mad, one of the two maddest owners in Serie A. Mm. In the last couple of years, which which is saying something because Serie A football has had some absolute mad owners. On to both both teams have been a bit struggling this season. Uh, both teams have been really poor in the last couple of weeks. Like Genoa are coming back after a five nil defeat to Inter, um, which was Ivan Juric. I think it was the second game in charge. They lost at home to Napoli just before the the winter break um, on an absolute pudding of a pitch where the game got suspended for 15 minutes. Um, Sampdoria lost at home to Torino 4-1 and then they lost at Roma 4-1 as well where Roma could have won the game by about 8 or 9. But yeah, in the stands it was brilliant. On the pitch it was... Uh, a very very fast start to the game Fabio Quagliarella headed home thanks to a, a brilliant cross from Gaston Ramirez and then uh, Polish striker Christoph Piontek who I think could be 
touted around uh, Europe, maybe, maybe Chelsea, um, as a backup for Morata and Giroud. Um, he scored a penalty after being brought down for Mordero. But yeah, it was just a, a, a brilliant game to watch. Um, if anyone gets a chance to, to do it, I'm slightly jealous because it's one of the games that I would love to go to and probably look to in the next couple of seasons because it's a, it's a brilliant sight and it's, as I said earlier, it's one of the best derbies in Italy. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm just looking at their squad and it's dawned on me that the Paraguayan midfielder Edgar Barato used to play for, used to play for Nijmegen here in the Netherlands. Yeah, he's still at Sampdoria. Yeah, um, and he, got, he he played three seasons for for Nijmegen when they were uh, inconsistent and, and and knocking on the door of of European football. They did go on to play Hamburg in Europe, actually, under the the tutelage of the then manager Mario Bain. But he was a huge part of that. And looking at their squad as well, Sampdoria, they've got Gaston Ramirez and um, Dennis Prat at, um, at the Belgian midfielder, who's um, Who's technically very gifted? Yeah, very and, good players. Yeah. Probably one of the star players um, of last night, along with the Sampdoria keeper Odero, yeah. who kept them in the game. Um, Genoa played really, really well after they they equalised. Um, Odero pulled off some wonderful saves to deny Piontek and Christoph Kwame and yeah yeah it was a very very entertaining derby and as I said if anyone gets the chance go out and go go and watch you will not be disappointed because I want to do it and it's on my bucket list well fingers crossed you get to you get to um you get to tick it off the bucket list in uh in years to come also looking at general squad as well they've got Joran Pandev yeah, uh, he had his time at Inter and uh, a couple of other players that uh, Federico Marchetti, I think he wasn't he the goalkeeper at Lazio. Yeah, he's the backup goalkeeper um, general at the moment. They got a goalkeeper called Radu who is very good. Um, he was he was quite good last night. No fault of his own for the goal, but when he coming out, he was very assured. Yeah, and con- continuing the Dutch theme of players that used to play in the Netherlands that have suddenly turned up in Sampdoria and Genoa. Um, Oscar um, Heilemark, he's yeah. from PSV. Yeah, he's he's been at Palermo, he's been at Genoa. That that was a weird transfer because he went to Palermo and they got relegated, and he went to Genoa, they nearly got relegated, and he could have had back to back relegations Ooh. on his CV in Serie A. But um, yeah, he's done okay in Italy apart from the back-to-back relegations. He's, he was quite solid last night, and um, he's a very good player. Imagine you've seen him quite a lot, James. Yeah. Well, uh, as I say, I know of him from his time at PS- PSV and Edgar Barato when he was very, very young, and the good impression he made at NSA Nijmegen. But uh, yeah, it says uh, obviously you learn something new every day. I wasn't aware that those two players with a Dutch, um, with a Dutch um, past, were so prevalent for their clubs with Genoa and Sampdoria, and also as well for Genoa. Before I forget, Domenico Crescito, who was once touted as the next Cannavaro, I believe, and had a a real good long stay at Zenit St. Petersburg, is also now captain of Genoa, I believe. Yeah, it's his second spell. Um, he's now. Well, Genoa for last, well, actually for quite a while, like to play with a three-four-three, a very or three-five-two. He play. He's been playing left centre back. He's, he was normally a, a left wing back or a left back, but yeah, he's making his centre back uh, slot his own this season. Now his second spell at the club. 
Yeah, well, it's very, very interesting. And uh, thanks very much for your news and your expertise on that particular derby. Um, we are, have reached the end of our pod today. Would you like to tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, Scott? Yeah, you can follow me on uh, on the Twitter uh, at Scott underscore Munro. I'm always interactive with if anyone wants to talk about football of like Italian football and maybe Swindon and a few other um, a few other like cricket and other stuff. Yeah, just hit me up. Okay, you, uh, listeners can contact me on at James Rowanell if they have specifically any uh, any uh, queries about Dutch football or Arsenal or even if they'd like to check out my latest uh, interviews. I can give you. Uh, a bit of a heads up as well, because we're talking about Italian football. I received an email from Empoli the other week. Oh, wonderful! And uh, they have a uh, they have a Danish centre half by the name of Jakob Rasmussen. Yes, they and, do. Yeah. Uh, Empoli have made it quite clear that they are going to make it feasible for me to interview him in the next couple of weeks, probably be around the turn of the new year. But a very nice surprise, nonetheless, and I shall keep you posted. Yeah, please do. Um, and please, you got a very good 3-2 win over Atalanta at the weekend. Was that away from home? No, that was at home. Oh, they okay. were, I think they were maybe 1 or 2 nil down. But Joseph Bilicic got sent off for Atalanta. And there's a very... After they, uh, they relieved their coach, Aurelio Andrazzoli, uh, a week before the international break, on his birthday Ooh. as well. A bit of a shame, but uh, finally, listeners, we'd like to point you in the direction of the Man on the Post Network podcast network, where we have really something for everybody with uh, Man on the Post extra time and unusual efforts and lots of different things to take your fancy. So please do take a look. Don't be shy in forwarding questions through to us. We've had very few questions in recent weeks, but that's because we know that. You know, there's a big old podcast world out there and we're not very small. We're actually extremely good. But of course, you know, getting your name out there can take a bit of time. But uh, we thank you for your patience and uh, remember to always keep your man on the post. <laughs>